biggest thing that I would want to say um, to anybody who is listening and especially if you're listening because you want to understand more about yourself and potentially think you want to seek out a diagnosis for something that's been bothering you for a long time, do it because they say knowing is half the battle. I disagree. I think knowing is 90% of the battle. Well, those were some words of wisdom from today's guests on Silent Superheroes. My name's James. I'm sat here actually about nine minutes before we start the recording. And it's uh, a, uh, let's generously call it a summer's day here in Seattle where I'm recording. And today's guests uh, are Wesley and Dylan. I met them both when they were kind of a a warm-up act for a talk I was giving um, for an event called Mental Health Out of the Shadows. That was an event hosted by HR Transform and ResponsiveX. And it dealt with the topic of mental health and Wesley and Dylan's contribution was uh, one of their songs, uh, their musicians, and they rap about their experiences with uh, mental health. And it was a powerful, powerful thing to uh, lead off an event with. And um, I happened to come right after them, which is why I say they were an inadvertent warm-up act. And I was blown away. I thought they were amazing. So I invited them on the the show. Both of them deal with uh, different mental health conditions, which we'll find out about. And I was curious about a few things. I think first, they come at mental health from a different place. Their experience of growing up, getting diagnosed, were really quite different. I think quite interesting to hear um, those different perspectives. I'm fascinated by how these two people came together. Like, how did they connect and meet and end up making music together? Which is kind of a cool story. And then finally, the role of music in their journey with mental health. How does it contribute to help give them perspective? How does it help them process the the feelings and the experience of living with a mental health condition? I'm excited to get started with today's recording. Before we start, remember that neither Dylan, uh, Wesley, or I are medical professionals, so anything we say should be checked against a, a reliable source. But other than that, my name's James Pratt. I'm the host of Silent Superheroes, and I'm really glad that you're here. Welcome to the Silent Superheroes Podcast, a series of frank conversations about mental health at work. All right, welcome to Silent Superheroes. I'm here with two guests today, uh, Wesley and Dylan. Um, Wesley and Dylan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And we've got two people today because you are two halves of a uh, musical combo, musical outfit. I don't know what the right group. It's probably a better words. And I met you both. Uh, originally, you were performing uh, at a mental health conference that I was speaking at. I loved your performance and wanted to talk to you more about what you do. And so both of you, um, some of your music is inspired by mental health and both of you deal with uh, mental illnesses so uh you know let's go dylan first why don't you just uh, briefly introduce yourself and explain what it is that, that you manage my name is dylan Wright. wesley and i are both located in the bay area I work for a nonprofit, and um i have uh dysthymia which is persistent depression and a general anxiety disorder 
And for someone who's not familiar with it, um, you mentioned dysthymia is kind of persistent, low-level depression. It, can you give a sense of like what that feels like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, definitely. Um, in the past, I've dealt with a lot of, um, I think, what people consider to be more sad, dark thoughts and kind of spiraling in into some suicidal thoughts. But I've gone to a few years of therapy, so... Um, I'm able to manage that level. So currently my persistent depression is more um, emotional and I'm extremely sensitive and that doesn't always mean I'm sad. I can cry at happy thoughts too, or get a text from a friend, like, how are you? And, and kind of start to break down just, um, I mean, I would say sensitive is the best way to describe it. And that's a, a lovely clarification that it doesn't have to be something bad that makes you that makes you cry necessarily. And then, uh, briefly, generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, you know, what's your best way of describing that? Um, I don't know how to describe it as well. I think um, for me, it's just a. It's hard for me to change my focus to other things. Um, so, in terms of work, I can just get extremely focused on work and that can be on my mind, you know, 24 hours a day. And it can be really hard for me to, to separate myself from those thoughts and, and those, the emotions and the stress that I feel from it. Yeah. So very attached to uh, specific thoughts, areas of focus. Um, cool. So let's turn our attention to Wesley. Uh, Wesley, wh- what is it that you're managing and dealing with? My name is Wesley Andrew. Um, I currently am a student at Foothill College in Los Altos, uh, although I live in Redwood City. Um, and I currently am diagnosed with uh, bipolar one, generalized anxiety disorder, ADHD, which I know is a mouthful, but <laughs> like, a, like a collection, like you're collecting Pokemon or something. I'm like just that, right? trying to get all the badges, you know. <laughs> So can you briefly explain what each of those things are, you know, as far as you understand them? Um, I will start with ADHD because that's the one that I got diagnosed with first. And that's pretty simple. It's just, um, you know, I I really, if I don't want to do something, I have a really hard time focusing on it. Um, And I have a really hard time. It it honestly kind of works with my anxiety a lot because I get really anxious about starting things and then I can't get started. And even like while I'm working, like I, I'm working on writing a book and I, I have to stop every like 15 minutes to go do something because I can't stay focused for longer than that. Um, but conversely, if I'm really excited about something, I'm really focused on it. Like it's it's kind of, there's a, there's a double-edged sword. Like there's good parts to it. Yeah. I think people get that wrong a lot about ADHD. Yeah. So um, it's not all bad. Um, and I already kind of mentioned anxiety, but I also just, it kind of cripples me and like makes me not start things is the biggest thing. Like I have a hard time getting things started. Like I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to get a job right now. And um, if I, uh, while I'm trying to train for it, it's a lifeguarding position. So as I'm training for it, I have a hard time going to the pool because I'm afraid that I'm not going to swim fast enough. So um, there's that. Uh, I have bipolar one, which means full mania and full depression. And it's an extremely complicated on this, but the best way I can describe it is two, you know, polar opposite moods. I know it's in the name, but um, one is depression, which Dylan mentioned, and uh, mine's major depression. So it's not constant, but it's more, I don't want to like, you know, but it's more more intense when it happens. Um, 
And then there's mania, which is a, a euphoric or irritable mood that um, lasts for weeks, so months on end. So, you know, I don't know who, who wants to go first or you're going to interleave or how we'll do it, but let's talk a little bit about the, the history of these two um, young men and kind of your journeys through life and to get to the point where somebody said, hey, you know, you have this, this condition. Um, and I, whoever wants to start, feel free to, feel free to start. So Wesley and I have very different journeys when it comes to um, finding a diagnosis for our mental health. Growing up, I I would say I went through a a fair share of trauma in my childhood, and I think I just accepted my mental health condition, which I didn't consider to be a mental health condition, just my normal. Like, this is just normally how things are. What does trauma mean to to you? Uh, You don't don't have to be specific if you don't want to, but like, you know, what does that word mean in your mind? Um, Yeah, so for me, uh, trauma, I think there's a a few areas uh, from my childhood in terms of... um, I had quite a few sudden deaths in my family. Everyone, my uncle, my grandmother, and my grandfather all passed away overnight, essentially. So none of them were expected. They were all very sudden, um, and they are all very close relationships to me. And as well, um, some of my trauma comes from uh, pretty consistent abuse I went through, through my adolescence, yeah. Thank you for uh, for sharing that. So you had this history of trauma in your in your family that led you to kind of it sounded like a set of feelings um that you were having and what where did you go from there yeah from there i think i just went went on with my life and you know if i had to cry i'd cry in my room and if you know there was times where i wasn't able to you know muster up the strength on my own to you know go to school i just didn't go and i kind of just processed it as my own personal weaknesses that I had um, internally. I didn't really get an awareness of my mental health until um, I started dating. And I had a long-term relationship uh, for about two and a half years. I remember this moment where my girlfriend was crying and she was sharing, like, you don't see how much you not dealing with your mental health, like, affects you. And, like, that's the hardest part um, about dating you. And I remember um, after we broke up, I feel like that still that still really stood out. Like I was like, "Wow, she she felt a lot about that." Um, yeah. What was it that she was seeing that said like he's not dealing with his mental health? That's a great question. I think in the um, in the moment, I didn't know what she meant, but I think looking back on it, I can I can see some tendencies in terms of. Um, uh, mood and being really dark and really down on myself and um, constantly belittling myself or saying how terrible a person I am and how I wasn't good enough for her. And I, you know, I wasn't smart and I was just doomed to be a failure. Um, I think that would probably happen, you know, every so often, um, every few months. So, so she gave you some feedback was like, Hey, you know, you're, you know, kind of hurting that you don't deal with your mental health. How did that lead you to kind of go talk to somebody and find out, oh, that's, that's dysthymia? I ended up having a, uh, a really hard time my first semester as I transferred to uh, Menlo College. And I essentially was sick for like three months. And I went to a doctor and they, they said, oh, like your body's attacking yourself. Like you're so stressed. Yeah, in bed essentially for about two months with double ear infection, eye infection, throat infection, just everything. And I lost like the ability to like talk for a few days because my vocal cords, I lost the ability to 
to, to here for about a day, about 12 hours. And I went on a few rounds of like antibiotics. Um, and when the doctor told me this, yeah, go ahead. Your body was really trying to give you a message. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Like, and then when the doctor told me I was stressed and that's what was causing it, I was, I, I was shocked and I was like, wow, I have a problem. Uh, <laughs> and, um, so I, I sought uh, therapy at, at my university. I went and um, spoke with a professor, told her what I was going through. She pointed me to free services that we had on campus. Um, and I attended uh, therapy for about two and a half years to, to really be able to kind of work through those things and be able to talk through some of that past trauma and, and to get a diagnosis. Maybe we'll come back to kind of the, the next step of that story in a, in a second, but um, I don't, don't want to leave Wesley out of this Absolutely whole not. thing. So um, let's, let's talk about your journey and like compare and contrast yours to, uh, to Dylan's. Yeah. So um, I'll say, first of all, growing up, I was always considering myself to be someone who's happy, someone who's joyful, who generally is a class clown, who doesn't really get down about very much because of this. In middle school, not because of it, but in addition to this, in middle school, um, I watched a, uh, a YouTuber who had a funny little video, said, here's how you can tell if you have ADHD. Um, it was just a YouTube video, seventh grade. So I watched it and I was like, well, I have every single one of those symptoms. So I went to my parents and said, hey, I watched this YouTube video. And this guy said, here's how you know if you have ADHD. And I was everything. And so my parents like laughed at me and they said, you don't know. No. <laughs> um, so like, oh, okay. Was that like a sort of, I would say, legit video? Like it was somebody seriously saying, here's how to know. Or was it kind of a joke thing? Like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, it was more of a joke. Um, although looking back on it, he was not wrong about the symptoms. Like, you know, if you're like a 10-year-old, then like everyone, you have all those symptoms. But, um, you know, I was like 12 at the time, so a little older than that. <laughs> but I kind of persisted. I was like, hey, I think I have ADHD. I can't focus in class. I'm starting to get bad grades. And I did start getting bad grades. So uh, finally, halfway through freshman year in col- college, in, uh, in high school, I, we, my mom finally took me to the doctor. Uh, we sat down and I, I took the little test. And there's like 50 questions. And I, I checked the, the boxes for having ADHD on 46 of them. <laughs> so they died. So you aced the test. Is what I aced doing. the test. That was the first test in years that I did well on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, then uh, they diagnosed me with ADHD combined type, so both the inattentive and hyperactive. That was the first step of my mental health journey. Should I keep going? Or? Well, so it sounds like your parents were supportive. of. They were, yeah. They Besides the initial kind of, which I can't blame them for because it's on a YouTube video, but yeah, they were generally a very good support system for me from for throughout the entire process. So, Wes, you didn't you didn't stop at ADHD with your collection of. Oh, I did not. <laughs> if only. <laughs> yeah. So, um, about probably a year after that, my what I was really close to one of my friends. Her mom passed away very suddenly due to cancer, and I was particularly close because I had, like I had like just seen um, her mom and like like literally like a month earlier. Um, it hit me hard and I was, I was really sad. Um, 
it was like my, my brother's birthday and like I was like not able to celebrate. I had to leave the, the restaurant and go cry. Um, but then the feeling just stuck there and it didn't leave for month after month after month. Spring rolled in the summer and everyone was telling me to be happy and I wasn't. And I was friends with this, uh, another girl and this girl had just been diagnosed with depression and she said, um, I, I finally opened up to her and said, hey, I've been having these like, you know, suicidal thoughts. I've been having this really hard time. And she said, you should go see a doctor. Like you, you might have depression. So I went to a doctor, got diagnosed with depression almost right away. And um, again, aced the test. <laughs> I, it was weird because I never saw myself as a sad person. Like it was hard for me to wrap my head around like, hey, you have a mood disorder. Because that didn't make sense to me because I was so happy. I was the guy that everyone looked to to be happy. So I think in a minute we're going to come to why that is. But just note, listening to both of your stories, the importance of talking about it right, with other people, like, you know, going to talk about what's happening or, you know, dealing with the case of your girlfriend, her like being willing to talk about and say, hey, there's something there's something going on. So I'm really glad that for both of you, you had that, you know, those moments where you had somebody you could go to and say, like, this feels weird. Like, you know, what's what's going on? So then your journey, Wesley, keeps going. And I, th I think eventually we learn why you're such a happy person and sometimes such a sad person. Yeah, I'll jump right ahead to it. I won't, I won't you know, say every detail, but uh, me and that girl, she, she and I fell off for a minute um, and she got diagnosed with bipolar during this time, bipolar one. I start, the, the meds weren't working for me. I wasn't able to get happy. Um, and there were a couple of times that looking back, I was manic and I didn't know it and it caused problems. But finally, um, I, went on, I, I went on and off ADHD treatment for years. Um, most of them didn't work. But I went on a medicine called Focalin. And Focalin, as with any ADHD stimulant, can cause mania. So I took the uh, Focalin and immediately became psychotic and uh, delusional and believed things that could not be true. And um, it also was extremely elated and happy when I was on the medication. But I assumed that because I was on a stimulant that you felt stimulated. I didn't realize that you weren't supposed to be that stimulated. <laughs> so I went to my doctor and said, hey, it sounds similar to this mania thing that my friend's going through. And she said, yeah, it's not normal for a stimulant to do that to you. That only happens with bipolar people. It, because of her, I got diagnosed with bipolar and depression, which depression count, but you know. I think sometimes people are afraid of the word psychotic or psychosis for obvious reasons. It's, you know, it's not treated well in the media and TVs, TV and movies. I don't know if you could talk briefly about your experience of, of psychosis and sort of believing in things that, that weren't real. So I've had both delusions and hallucinations. So my first delusion was believing that I had the soul of a demon, that like I was a demon in a human form. And that somehow like, yeah, so that was bizarre. Um, quickly after that, I believed that I had taken a photo that was the best photo ever taken by any human on the planet. Um, and it was worth two and a half million dollars. And that's how I knew that it was a delusion because I knew the exact amount that it was worth. <laughs> <laughs> so if it had just been the best photograph in the world, that no. wouldn't have been delusional. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's an illustration of like that in and of itself is not dangerous, right? No. You're not a danger to other people because you believe you've taken the world's best photo. You're probably not danger to other people if you believe you have kind of a demon in you. 
it is obviously sad. It's something that needs, you know, help and, you know, support, no doubt. But like, you're not a danger, you know, by default in that situation. And then the other thing, which is also not dangerous, is like I've that my hallucinations have been like, oh, I see lights in the sky or I see the moon. I look away and the moon's gone or I hear things for several days. But it's not like it's not inherently a dangerous thing. Like it's, it's just things that affect me are scary for me because then I, you know, they disappear like, oh my God, did I just see that? But they're, they're never a danger to anyone else. And I suppose the scary thing for other people is the what if, right? Well, you know, if, if he can't see the moon and then sees the moon, like what might he do next, right? You're unpredictable. So I, I you know, I can, I can see why people might feel that way, but I think it's important to recognize that, you know, a lot of people who are in psychosis aren't actually aren't actually dangerous. Um, how did you come to know to know each other? Yeah, I would say um, I would say our relationship started off more of like a mentor mentee relationship. Yeah, uh, we go to the same church, and um, Wesley, uh, I met Wesley uh, going into freshman year of high school. Yeah, going Summer. into his freshman year of high school. So that's when we first met, and we were able to. Um, yeah, it was more so about in a church setting, more so me inspiring him and building a relationship and kind of mentoring him towards, um, you know, his future and, you know, helping him dress better. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, just, you know, just growing up and, you know, becoming more of a man. So I would say like that relationship um, as as he got older, um, formulated more into a deeper friendship. Um, and I think we definitely became more equals in our relationship where, where Wesley was drawing me out a lot more. And, and as he learned a lot more about his, um, mental health, especially, I feel like he taught me a lot and he really helped me understand his own, um, disorder and then really advocated for me to, um, gain more knowledge and, and into mine and really dig deeper. That's great. I'm wondering about where music came into both of your lives and how you kind of came to ultimately um, make music. So I played the saxophone from fifth grade until 11th grade, six years. So music and I, and I love music growing up. I would sing in the car all the time. Um, I grew up on like reggae and, and alternative rock. Um, so music's always been a big part of my life. Um, as with a lot of people that do music. So um, in high school, I got into hip hop uh, and R&B and I loved it from the start. And um, around probably junior year, I was kind of like, I want to make my own music now. Um, I've been playing music for a while, but I wanted to make my own. So we had a studio at school that I went into and I messed around with. And, you know, that was... uh, I just messed around with it. We didn't record anything worthwhile. Um, but then um, I, I, I'd known Dylan for a while and he can tell me more about his story, but he was into it as well in the, in the music and, and poetry. So I, uh, I told him I want to make music and we just borrowed a mic from somebody. We sat down and he can go more over the stuff after that, but we just sat down. I had, software on my laptop that I was already paying for and we just hashed out a song. So I mean, he can tell you more about that and I can tell you more about why I did it in a little bit, but yeah. yeah. 
So Dylan, then, well, how did you come to music? Um, so for me, I never considered myself to be very musical. Um, I wrote a lot of poetry, which I think was really tied to, you know, the trauma and the depression and things that I was going through. So that was really always an outlet for me was, was poetry. And later in high school, I had a few friends who were in bands. And so I had shown them some things I had written and they were like, Hey, can you write music for us? Can you write some songs? Then later um, in college, I had a friend who he, he freestyle rapped. Um, So he would just play instrumental beats and he was like, Oh, you write poetry? Like here, spit on this. Like, um, and I was like, "Uh, I don't know how to do any of this. Um, So at the time I didn't have a car and he would give me rides, but the rule was that I had to freestyle rap if I wanted a ride. That's a good friend. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I'm engineering a situation where you have to work on your, your gift. So that's how music came to be for me in terms of being interested in it and really being able to put like lyrics and words to music. Um, and then that's when I met Wesley and Wesley was always a musician. And um, I really admired that about Wesley that, you know, he was so passionate about music and, um yeah and then one day he was like hey let's record an album (laughs) and i don't know what mood state that was but (laughs) um (laughs) and i was like what are you talking about um and he was like let's record an album and then i was like what are you talking about (laughs) um and uh you know wesley being very euphoric you know, said like, Hey, you have a gift. I have a gift. Like, let's do this. You know, um, do you have anyone we could borrow equipment from? And I was like, yeah, my friend, John, you know? And so I went and, uh, hit him up and I was like, Hey, can I borrow your mic for the weekend? And Wesley and I recorded some music and I just hopped on the microphone and freestyled a little bit and we found different beats and sampled some stuff. And, um, yeah, and from there, I think we got we got a lot deeper in terms of our content later. Talk about the role that music plays in understanding and dealing with your mental health. I've been thinking about this a lot lately as I've been trying to understand how to build a brand for myself and my other creative passions. But I think the biggest thing for me was two things. One, first of all, just to say that I did it and just be like, hey, I can look back on this when I'm 40 and show my kids that, Hey, your dad recorded a rap album and he did it like that. I just thought that was amazing. But two of the more deeper thing was it, it helps me personalize and understand like, cause when I write songs, for example, my song depression 101, I didn't know what I was feeling when I wrote that song. I, I just feeling, you know, I was feeling down. So over an hour and a half, I wrote out everything I was feeling and it helped me understand like, Hey, this is what's going on inside me. So um, putting it to a beat and then just putting it out there and the different ways you can inflect your voice and the different ways you get the flow and the way that the song sounds and the beat sounds, it, it, really, it really personalizes what you're feeling and it feels great to get it out and let other people know this is how I'm feeling. So that's definitely how it, how it is for me. I would say for me, writing music helps me similar to Wesley really dive deeper into my emotions and really understand what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. And as I've grown older, I think it really helps me share a story as to what I've been through 
And I think I find a lot of peace um, in that. It's kind of like therapy in terms of like when you're able to talk about things for the first time um, with a therapist that you've, you know, you've held on to your entire life. And, but with music, it's a little bit different because it's a lot more emotional and I can express myself in, in deeper ways um, through music. I would say I don't connect as much um, in music with, um, the inflections of voice or anything like that. I think it's it's very more of a a, a lyrical aspect for me. I think creatively being able to rhyme and and do those is is really I find a lot of peace from it. Um, if you were to think about your body of music, what moment best reflects your um, your conditions? So they kind of shine through the the music, the beats, the the lyrics. For me, I already said depression 101, I feel like is my best example of my mental health. It's the depression part, well, obviously. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, everything about, I, I'm in love with that song. Uh, I think it, it really, the lyricism was on point. The, it was better than my mood swings series that I did on the album. Um, it just, I think everything about it was way deeper and way more unique in telling my story than, than anything else I'd ever written before. I think for me, it would have to be maybe the song Reflections that what that I had on the album, that I was more so focused on kind of everything from adolescence to now and what I had been through with a level of like hope and vision moving forward. I feel like lyrically that it came to me very quickly. Like, I think I wrote that song in about maybe like eight minutes, maybe like 10 <laughs> minutes or so. Like, I think, I think that's one of the, one of those moments where I was like, wow. And I, and I read back the lyrics that I had wrote and I was like, whoa, this is, <laughs> this expresses a lot, you know, like how I feel a lot about this, like this, this really, um, it was, it was nostalgic for me as well. Like it really reminded me of, of childhood, which for me thinking about my childhood is, is usually pretty dark. If somebody's interest was piqued um, about your music, what's the name that you kind of recorded this album under and what's the album called? So um, my, my name on, on SoundCloud is Westlex, uh, W-E-S-L-E-X. Uh, his is Mysyn, which is M-Y-S-Y-N. Um, and the name of the album is called A Really Bad Mixtape. Um, so you can find that on SoundCloud or uh, Loom. If That's a more obscure one, but... Um, Awesome. That's great. And I have listened to multiple tracks and I've enjoyed them greatly, especially Depression 101. It's funny that you would say that, but maybe you and I share the bipolar experience and like there's something in there that, that, that resonates. So as I sit here looking at you both, you're both smiling and we're laughing and joking and all that stuff. Mental health is a journey. Sometimes we put on masks. I'm curious, how are you both doing? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I mean, given that, you know, we've been going through a pandemic and um, all the protests that have been going on, I definitely, um, I'm doing a lot better today than I was two weeks ago where I definitely had a um, probably a double depression, which without getting super clinical is just my persistent depression mixed with a major depression like episode. 
Um, and so essentially I was just extremely emotional to the point of like not being able to control it. A few Saturdays ago, I was just kind of like, kind of just cried all day. Um, <laughs> watch TV, you know, and I had to really cut off my connection with social media and with like news outlets and all the violence really just triggered a lot of, um, past thoughts. Um, and that, you know, mixed with, uh, father's day and, um, my, my biological father, you know, he was absent, um, during my childhood and all those things kind of just like mixed together to where I was, um, I was just having a really hard time. It's exhausting for people who have, you know, more normal mental health, right? I think, you know, even people I speak to who don't manage depression are like, wow, this is really, really tough and, and hard to get through. And I think it's so much more difficult for people like you or me or Wesley who, you know, have the, the experience of and the, you know, being in depression. So I'm glad that, you know, glad that you've kind of toughed through that. I mean, what helped you? what helped you get back to feeling better again? I think what helped me get back, uh, get more in control of my emotions, I guess, um, and really be able to process and kind of feel was, um, which was the hardest thing was advocating for myself, especially with my employer um, and asking, asking for a day off. Um, And I had, you know, especially in that depressive mindset, it was really, it was really hard to communicate and took a drive out to the beach ate lunch and kind of just took a day to do nothing and kind of just recoup. How supportive was the, uh, the nonprofit that you work for? Extremely supportive, um, which I was really nervous about because I, you know, it was a Saturday and I was like, can I have Monday off? You know, and I, and I added the caveat, like, if not all good, um, like I'll be in the office on Monday if you need me, but just extremely supportive. And like, this is a really difficult time. And, um, take the time you need and like you're, you are number one, like your, your mental health and you taking care of you is what's most important. So well yeah, done. Important. well done to that employer for you know, being there. Uh, Wesley, how about you? You got the new diagnosis, but, um, you know, how's it going for you? I am doing good right now. Um, I'm euthymic, which for those listening is, um, the state of normal mood, particularly in bipolar. It's used when you're not depressed nor manic, you're euthymic. So I'm, I'm about there feeling pretty good. Um, I, I was on a medicine called Latuda, or I am on a medicine called Latuda that um, causes really bad like sleepiness. And so for, for months, I was unable to get up before like 12 or, or 1, which was not fun because I like to get up on time to have more time in my day and get stuff done. And it just, it makes me way happier to get up on time, like around nine o'clock. So, um, during my last episode, uh, I grew tolerant to Latuda. At least that's what I think. So I'm waking up. I mean, I woke up at like eight thirty nine o'clock today and, uh, have been for the last like week and week and a half. Um, and for some odd reason, I'm feeling better now than I've felt in months. Um, the last time I was feeling this good was the first three months of the year where everything just seemed to go my way. So um, there are a few caveats. I mean, just this morning, I got an email about that lifeguarding position, and um, I just am a little afraid that I'm not going to be able to pass the test for it. But other than that, man, I'm, I'm feeling great. Uh, things are going well. Just went skimboarding yesterday at the beach which was super fun. 
I always like to do a little thought experiment. You know, I think if we all look back on our journeys, maybe there was a moment where, you know, we needed some guidance, a little pep talk, you know, so I'm going to let you both kind of go back along your timeline and deliver a message to yourself at a point that's going to, that's going to help. Oh gosh. Um, there's so many moments where, where would I go back? Um, I would say my freshman year of high school was the toughest for me where I was definitely going through, um, suicidal thoughts. And that was probably like the darkest, um, I've ever been like in my life. Um, and I think I would, I would go to that, that boy and, um, just share hope and vision and like things get better and your current circumstances and the things you're going through aren't going to be here forever. Um, and those things won't hold you back because I think even to, to this day, I reflect and I feel behind all the time. I always feel like I'm inadequate and I'm behind my peers. And in reality, I'm not. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And so I think that's, that's the message I would give. You know what's so great about asking that question? Everybody always takes it in the spirit that it's intended. And it occurs to me as you were talking, nobody's ever said, you know, the Yankees win the World Series in like 2001 or something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Which would be a totally valid, resp- valid response yeah. to the question. But, uh, glad, everyone, glad everyone takes it seriously. That's good. Invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. <you>. Right? <laughs> Start mining Bitcoin right now. <laughs> good stuff. Wesley, how about uh, you? It's a difficult question, but I think the best thing that I would say is shortly after my first big major depressive episode, my late sophomore year, I came into an era, like a, a short era of peace where I just felt like one, it's, this is going to sound weird, but I wasn't afraid to die. Like, especially like to help someone or anything like that, because I've been suicidal for so long that I, I valued my life at that point, but I wasn't afraid to die anymore, which was kind of a freeing weird thing. I don't know. But at the same time, I felt like, Hey, I know now I can get through anything. And I wish, I think I wish I would have known that back then before like, you know, some made mistakes when I did, when I was in that episode. So I think I would have just told myself, Hey, you're going to be all right. Like there's nothing, nothing can stop you once you've been through that dark of a place, like nothing can stop you anymore. So just get through this and you'll be unstoppable. You're absolutely right. that such strength comes from sort of being there i mean it's like it's almost like going to hell right and it's like i've come back and i know now that like i will be okay because there's nothing that can be worse than that so um, i very much agree coming up on our time here um what else would you both like to say about your illnesses music your journey whatever it might be biggest thing that i want to say um to anybody who is listening and especially if you're listening because you want to understand more about yourself and potentially think you want to seek out a diagnosis for something that's been bothering you for a long time do it because they say knowing is half the battle i disagree i think knowing is 90 percent of the battle it's so like every time i've received a diagnosis i've actually done it with a smile because it's like finally there's other people are experiencing what i've experienced and people understand it and there's now I know I'm not crazy. 
I'm not suffering for no reason. I have a reason that I'm suffering and that makes it that much more tolerable. You're less alone. You're less alone. Exactly. It's a fundamental part of the human experience that we need other people. Your message is great. Like reach out, you know, talk to people, go get a diagnosis and things can be better. How about you, Dylan? Yeah. I mean, um, I think especially now with everything that's been going on and I reflect back on my life, I think for people to not um, take one another for granted, don't make assumptions that, you know, you know, somebody's life and under understand what they're going through mm. just because they're, they're smiling and they're happy and they're the go-getter. But, but to really take the time to care about your friends and your loved ones and to really ask them how they're doing and to genuinely want to know what's, really going on and what's deeper because as you mentioned about the mask I think for me it was really really easy to just wear a mask and can still be something that I can lean on like let me just throw on this mask I feel terrible I'm not happy about anything I don't enjoy you know this project or this assignment but let me throw on this you know happy face and be a go-getter and go do it. But internally, you know, I'm crumbling or I'm extremely upset. Dylan and Wesley, um, it was a real gift to run into you, you know, as we did at that, uh, what was it? Mental health out of the shadows event. I'm really glad that we got connected. Glad that you brought some new music into um, my life. And um, I am grateful for the journeys you've both had. So thank you for making the time to come on the show. Of course. Thank you so much, James. Thanks for having us. It's now several months since I recorded this conversation with Weslex and Mycin, aka Wesley and Dylan. With a few months of space, I've been able to hear the recording with fresh ears. When you meet Wesley and Dylan, it's obvious that they're good friends. What's not obvious, until you hear their story, is that they've taken very different paths to get where they are today. Wesley was the bright, happy child, full of fun, loved by everybody, whereas Dylan was more quiet and brooding. Wesley advocated for himself to get diagnosed with ADHD, whereas Dylan was nudged by a girlfriend. Wesley played music from sixth grade. Dylan had to be encouraged by a friend. Two different people. Two different paths. Then, as the universe does, these two young men are brought together through their church and eventually through music. At this point in the journey, the differences melt away. Both believe that it's important to go consult a doctor and get diagnosed if you suspect you have a mental health condition. Both have learned the importance of having a good support system, for example, a supportive girlfriend or family or a bandmate. Both have learned to advocate for themselves in different ways. Wesley has pushed for diagnosis, and Dylan has learned to ask for time off when it's good for your mental health. We learned about a lot of conditions in this episode. ADHD, bipolar, generalized anxiety disorder, major depression, and dysthymia. That's a lot of conditions, with a lot of symptoms, and a lot of things that need to be managed differently. But if I learned anything from Wesley and Dylan, it's that we're more similar than different, and we move more easily in the world when we've got someone to talk to, and someone who has our back. If you've enjoyed what you've heard in today's episode, you can leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you want to hear about new episodes as they're released, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash silent superheroes or sign up for our newsletter at silentsuperheroes.com. Take your mental health seriously. If you need to speak to someone, you can call 1 800 273 8255 or text. 
crisistextline.org at 741-741. Both provide 24-7 confidential counseling to people in the United States. Worldwide, visit iasp.info slash resources slash crisis underscore centers slash. To help others find the Silent Superheroes podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting service.